0: All right. Okay, folks. Hey, we've got, um, uh, you got a handout in front of you. And uh, we're in the midst of a series as we're learning, lessons learning from leaders. And we're looking at a book called The Intangibles of Leadership. And it's a fascinating book because it says that there, there are measurements that you have when you're trying to find out uh, what what kind of leadership qualities a person has. But yet there are intangibles that are very difficult to measure but yet, through all of the studies that have been made by psychiatrists, psychologists, they've determined that there are about 10 that are necessary for extraordinary leaders. And so today, we're going to talk about uh, self-efficacy. Now, you look at it on, on your sheet, and it may be a phrase you've never used. I've never used this before, and so this was a lot of, uh, a lot of new stuff for me, um, Nearly all extraordinary leaders have a deep faith in their own ability to do their job. And the core belief in their ability to achieve is this powerful, intangible of leadership that characterizes the best of the best. And with self-efficacy, it is this, to be able to do something that you need to believe that you can do it. In order to be able to do something, you've got to believe that you can do it. So if you're going to accomplish something, you've got to have the belief that, yes, I can do it. It's an underlying belief that you can attain a set of objectives. The objectives are here. I believe I can do them. You say, well, Danny, what's the difference between that and self-worth? Self-worth is just this overall feeling. It's, it's an overall understanding as to who you are and how you feel about yourself. What self efficacy is is it's targeted. It's specific. It is where you say, I have the confidence that I can get this done. And every extraordinary leader has to have that self-efficacy to where you believe deeply that you can get this thing done. Now, so let's talk a little bit about it. First of all, why is it even important? Why is self-efficacy important? Two reasons. Number one, it affects our motivation. It affects our motivation. If you believe that you've got the ability to accomplish something, you will work harder to make it happen. Does that make sense? If you had two tasks and one of them you thought was impossible, would you really spend much time doing it? Or if there was one that you said, I think I can get this done, you work harder because you think you can get it accomplished. It affects our motivation. Number two, it affects the choices that we make. It affects the choices that we make. If you're faced with a difficult choice between two tasks, you most likely will choose the one that you're more confident in. And they say, you can t- choose this or this. You say, well, I'm a lot more confident in this one. This is the one that I will do. Now, that's good news and bad news. Because with high self uh, if you really feel good with high self-efficacy, you believe you can do something even more to make something happen. And so you think that you could take on a challenge that's even greater and you'll work harder and you'll make it happen. If you have low self-efficacy, you will look at a task. It'll look too difficult, and you go, nah, I just won't do that. And it'll keep you from taking a risk. So if I've got high self-efficacy, I'm a little bit more bent towards taking a risk. If I'm low, I'm... I'm just not going to. I just don't see the, the way it's going to work out, and it just keeps you from taking a risk. And you can see in the long run, that's going to hurt you late in life. All right. Those are the two things. It affects our motivation and it affects the choices that we make. Now, what shapes your self-efficacy? What, I mean, I, we're wired. What shapes this? Well, there's four things that helps shape our efficacy. Number one, having success in the face of obstacles. Having success in the face of obstacles. Successes build a belief in your efficacy and failures undermine it. And I put here, if you look at it in the face of obstacles, barriers, difficulties, you know, if people only have easy successes, then they get discouraged whenever they hit failure. How many times in the athletic field have you seen a team just start blowing by people and they just beating them by large margins, large margins, and then all of a sudden they come up to a game and the other team says, if we can just hit them in the mouth a couple of times and shake them up a little bit, keep the game close, they may fold under the pressure because they've never had the pressure. It's always been easy success. And you see that happen. And you see team after team, when it got tough, all of a sudden they lost because they'd never been in that position before. What it says here. A person with self-efficacy is one who has success in the face of obstacles. They've had tough times come, and they've been able to persevere over that. And so because of that, they've got this great experience in overcoming obstacles. That builds within you self-efficacy. Again, you see stories of people that have rough upbringings that have come through all these different challenges. And when they rise to the top, you say, man, how did that guy or that gal do that? that's because they went over all the different obstacles. Number two, modeling. Modeling. Seeing others achieve something by overcoming a barrier. Modeling. You see others achieve something. How many times have you seen somebody achieve something and thought to yourself, you know, if he or she can do that, I can do it too. If they can do that, I can do it. And so a part of what gets wired into you in their self-efficacy is when you see other people that do something and you think about it and you say, you know what, I could do that. Now, when you think of modeling, you need to be someone who's relevant and somebody that you can identify with. And with someone that's relevant, you can identify with, it's so powerful to see that person learn a new skill or to overcome some obstacle. Uh, it was about uh, eight years or so ago I got into running, okay, and started taking a task of, of trying to run a marathon and then accomplish that and did some, uh, did some marathons. And I get a Runner's World magazine. And you can flip to a Runner's World magazine, and there will be some guy who says, I did seven marathons in seven continents in seven days. And you'll see some other guy that says, I ran across the Mojave Desert in 24 days. And, you know, I just flipped through those articles uh, because that doesn't do a lot for me. I, that's never going to be me. What I'm looking for is the older guy who set some kind of standards and was able to do something that's kind of like what well, I can relate to. And I will read that, and I'll go, wow, that's a pretty good challenge. That's a stretch, but I think I, can, I could do that. That's a part of self-efficacy. You model. You see others achieve something by overcoming. Number three, what others say to us. Whew. What others say to us. What did we learn as a child? Sticks and stones may break my bones, but what? <laughs> See, he says words will always hurt me. Because <laughs> they say, oh, words will never hurt me. No, they do hurt. They do hurt us. And there are things that each person could stand up here from your childhood that somebody said, and you still remember it. And, and sometimes what happens is what others say to us can drop us down. When people say some negative things to us, they can deflate us. But on the flip side of that, a few choice words from somebody else can build us up. And so when somebody has made some comment to you, kind of builds you up. You said, okay, I feel like I've got the confidence to do this. Number four, physiological and emotional states. Physiological and emotional states. Now, what that means is just how you feel about yourself and, and like, how you look and and and, and your health. Uh, for instance, uh, uh, you feel better about yourself when you look in the mirror and say, hey, I'm looking good today. Uh, how much sleep did you get last night? If you didn't get very much sleep, you're not really at your best. And that kind of determines uh, how, how you feel uh, confidence in moving forward. But also... Um, Some people, they get extremely emotional and highly anxious when they come in some demanding situations. But then when they get that anxiety, it is like the energy that they need to make it through that situation. You ever seen those? You know, some people, I mean, they're nervous. uh, They're kind of all jacked up over here. But then they take that. And when they take it, they just bring it in as positive energy and it motivates them. Other people, Will get that same nervousness and that and that same worry, but they look at it as weakness, and so they begin to step away from the challenge and go, "Oh no, I, I just I just can't do this." So it's your physiological and emotional states many times shapes your self efficacy. So now the question is, is how do you know when you see it? You know, we talk about, "Hey, this person has got a high self efficacy." How do you know it? Well, let's just give you some traits that you can look for that you know that somebody's got self-efficacy. Number one, the internal locus of control. That's a giveaway, isn't it? Uh, this this is what came out of the book. I didn't come up with this word, and that is locus without a T. So don't some of you start thinking, hey, if you guys have got a bunch of locusts on him, he's a, he's a guy. Internal locus. The word locus is a word that means a particular point. All right? Internal locus of control. That means the extent to which you believe that you control events that affect you. Hear that again. The extent to which you believe that you control the events that affect you. There's either internal or external. If you are high internal, you believe that events and uh, and the end game are directly proportional to what you do you're the one that will affect the outcome, okay? That's a high internal. If, if I work hard, this will happen. If I do this, this will, this will happen. I can affect the events. On the other hand, if you have an external locus of control, you believe that it's kind of out of your hands. It's fate. It's chance. It's just circumstances. Now, People kind of waver between those two com- continuums all throughout their life. But some people have a natural bent to where they've made the decision to be more internal, to say, I can control the outcome. There are others that lean over here, and they're more, well, it's fate or it's chance or here we go again, it's circumstances. Now, you, this is a test for you as an audience. Internal, I control the outcome. External, I don't have a whole lot of control of the outcome. Who do you think is going to be the hardest worker? Internal, control the outcome, or external, I don't have any control of the outcome. Internal. Internal. So high self-efficacy has internal locus of control, and they believe that they can affect the outcome. Number two, they want the ball. Number two, they want the ball. Not only are they set up for the challenge, but they they want to lead the charge. They said, I want it. Put me in, coach. I'm ready to play. I want the ball. Hoosiers, great movie. Uh, If any of you have not seen that movie, when you get snowed in tonight, you want to check that one out, all right, and watch it. Great basketball movie, right? Hoosiers, great basketball movie. And at the very end, state championship game, games tied, like – 15 seconds left on the clock or whatever, got a chance for one shot. Coach calls them all over there, has the players stand there, and the coach says, this is what we're going to do. Jimmy, I know you're our best player. They think you're going to take the last shot, but we're going to use you as a decoy, and we're going to set up another play called the swinging gate, and when we come around, we're going to throw it to Merle. Merle's going to take the last shot, and then he tells them that. And then every one of them steps back, and there's a silence. And they have been taught not to talk back to the coach. But in that five seconds of just sitting there looking at silence, he says, what, what? Jimmy Chitwood, he probably didn't say more than four lines in the whole movie, who was their best player, looked at his coach and said, I can make it. I get goosebumps every time I see that. In fact, I will rewind it. I'll say, play that again. I can make it. I said, What would you give to have people work for you that would be that way? To have people that would walk up and say, Hey, Danny, I can make that shot. Come in, man, we want you. I can make it. You know what the coach did? He said, nah, sit down over there. No, what did he say? He said, okay, Jimmy, here's what we're going to do. We're going to do a clear out, give the ball to you, let it count down, you make the shot. Guess what he did? Now you have to check the movie out. All right, so um, the person that's got high self-efficacy, they want the ball. But number three, look at number three, they inspire others to want the ball too. Studies have shown that children show that they internalize behavior, not so much by receiving instruction from others, but by seeing others do things themselves. It's not just that kids internalize things because you've told them these things. It's when they see people do those things. And when they see that being done, they internalize it, and at times they'll even copy that. You see, self-efficacy and consistent success inspires others to adopt that same kind of belief in themselves. So, if you're looking, who's the person has got a high self efficacy? Well, they got that internal locus of control. They're the ones that want the ball, but then you notice that they inspire others to also want the ball. All right. Number four, they face things head on and they don't pass the buck. They face things head on and they don't pass the buck. They think it's fully up to them to get her done, it's their responsibility. They're going to do it. They're going to persevere over the obstacles. They're not going to pass the buck to someone else. They're going to get after it. Number five, they aren't derailed by setbacks. They are not derailed by setbacks. A person who has self-efficacy leads to natural optimism because it just simply feels good to believe that you're responsible for the outcome of the actions. But you don't always make your goal, you know? Sometimes you don't make it. You gave it your best shot. You came up short. But you still feel good knowing that you just gave it your best. You see, you're going to have a setback, but you're not going to be derailed by that. And that's why these people that, that attempt these world records, they don't hit it on the first time. You see, they keep coming back, and they keep coming back, and they keep coming back. It's like some of you that have been here for years and have never won a spam gift. But you keep coming back and you keep coming back because one day you too could get the earrings uh, on there. So um, they're not derailed by the setbacks. And what they do, they try just as hard the next time because they believe in their ability to succeed. But those with that external locus of control. Automatically, when they have a failure, they believe it's factors beyond their control that led to their failure. Nothing they can do can make it better, and they're going to be constantly deflated by failure. There's always an excuse, there's always a reason. So you need to understand those with self, high self efficacy doesn't mean that they hit a home run all the time, doesn't mean they meet all their goals, but they are constantly pushing towards those, okay? And they may not meet it the first time, but I guarantee you, they keep pushing at it, they will accomplish more than they would have ever. Uh, thought they could have done. And number six is this. They see the road ahead clearly. They see the road ahead clearly. High self-efficacy are people who believe in their realistic ability, okay? Look at that word, the way I'm phrasing it, a realistic ability. I'm not talking about Pollyanna out there. I'm talking about realistic ability to get the job done. And they're very clear about the objectives to be met, the challenges they're likely to face, the gaps they need to address. They know there will be landmines that are going to pop up, but they believe they've got the goods to make it work. And that's entirely up to them whether success happens or not. And so the road for them is clearly marked out. These are the objectives. These are the goals. We're going to have some difficulties. Hey, guess what? There's going to be some landmines that you don't know about. That's all right. We'll just keep going. We're going to make the goal those that are lacking self efficacy they get a little bit more freaked out about what they perceive to be giant challenges or daunting obstacles. And they externalize these early bumps in the road, such as organizational politics, insufficient resources, difficult people, and all of a sudden they see them as insurmountable obstacles rather than leadership challenges. Now, I think, I think where we are in our society in our in our work world stuff that's a huge statement you 've got a group of people that see things as insurmountable challenge obstacles rather than leadership challenges and that statement right there is going to determine what you will do for the rest of your life from a leadership standpoint because what happens is we find a challenge we find an obstacle, and we bug out rather than taking that challenge. you know the average in the workforce is people will change jobs about every four and a half years okay some of that can be because um uh just promotion stuff they need to move on and and with their career but for some it's obstacles they just feel like they're going to try to find another path of that challenge now the um industry that i'm in (laughs) southern baptist pastors the average southern baptist pastor is in a church anywhere between three to four years and then they move on, three to four years. As so I've been here almost 19, I can't get another job, all right? Uh, and so, but every three to four years, they leave. they move. They're hoppers. They hop from one church to another church. And the reason is the honeymoon period lasts a little bit over a year or whatever. And then they've had a good time for a year and a half. People really love them. Then also after a year and a half, people get to know them. And then, uh, and then some people are kind of bowing up on them and they're not uh, accepting all their plans that they thought. And then they begin to get a little bit of criticism and then their sermons aren't as good as they thought it'd be. And then this and this, you're into about your third year. And when you get to write that third year and there's something, even articles written on that about how to deal with the third year, most people say, Hey, there are obstacles there. I'm, I'm out. I think God's calling me elsewhere. That's, that's great to be in ministry. We get to throw that little God card down. Oh, God's calling me over there. Yeah, tell me. And so uh, so all of a sudden, God's called you somewhere else. And so you bounce from here, you bounce from there, you bounce from there, when actually there was that leadership challenge right there. And you weren't going to overcome that. And but when you sit there and you take a study of the largest churches in the Southern Baptist churches, I would say the largest churches uh, just in the nation, pick out the denomination, take a look at their pastor and how long has their pastor been there. The number one factor is longevity of the pastor. And the pastor's been there close to 20 years or whatever. These are the churches that have got to grow. Why is that? It's because a person was able to come in, share a vision. When they shared a vision, they were able to go over the obstacles, lead the people to the vision. Then all of a sudden the people say, whoa, this is pretty good. Let's go to the next vision. And they just keep going like that. Millennials will change jobs every one to two years. Millennials every one to two years. And whenever you hear this, folks, this is just me talking to you right now, is that I think you just got to look at that in two different ways. Sometimes, hey, it's a bad work situation. wanting to fit? You need to move on. I understand. Sometimes it may be from a career standpoint I need to do that. I understand. But we got to figure out, is that the reason or is it because things get tough and so I'm backing away? Things got a little hard, and so I'm going to go jump to another company. I'm going to jump to another company. And that may be may be fun for a while, but then you're going to find yourself in your 40s. You're going to be married. You're going to have kids, and you're working at your eighth job. And all of a sudden, you don't quite have the financial uh, buildup uh, that you were hoping you would have because you don't stay anywhere long enough. You don't have anything in retirement and all these other things happening. So I just think it's going to come back and bite us later on. That's just a word of prophecy. So that's all right. Just, does that make sense, though? So when it says here, a person with self-efficacy, you've got to determine, is this a leadership challenge that I need to go over, or is this really a, um, uh, a situation that i got to leave the business? You know, I've got an abusive boss or it's a horrible situation. I understand those things. But sometimes they're just leadership challenges, and those are the best times because when that leadership challenge comes and you are able to persevere and get over that, you have just built up some of your self-efficacy. It's getting higher. Because next obstacle comes, you're going to be ready for it. Okay, man, I've gone from teaching to preaching. Here we go. All right. You say, well, how do I get this? I don't know. We're running out of time. I'll do it real quick. How do I get this self-efficacy? You too, for $29.99, I can tell you how to get this with you. All right, number one, right here, ask for help. Number one, ask for help. What I mean by that is find somebody that you would like to emulate or somebody that really impresses you, someone you feel has really done well. Sometimes they're mentoring situations, sometimes not even mentoring situations. Just call them and ask them for lunch. And they may take two months to put you on their schedule, but when they get you on the schedule, you just sit down and kind of pick their brain. Because it's amazing what can happen just sitting down in some conversations of what can happen with someone who has kind of gone further than you have, and and all of a sudden they'll give you sort of the goods that you need to take that next step. Ask for help. Number two, develop your own style. Develop your own style. See, too many times you will look for leaders who are these uh, uh, self-efficacy leaders, and then you say, well, I'm going to be just like them. No, you've got your own style. You're your own person, own personality, got your own strengths. Make sure you build on your own strengths, okay? Number three, visualize your success. Visualize your success. Now, you hear in athletics, they talk about this, visualize making the goal, visualize hitting the putt, uh, all those things. It must be good. They keep telling them folks to do that. So I think there's, there's truth to that. And they, in the book, they brought out a, a kind of a different angle of it, which really makes great sense. You visualize your success. And when you visualize your success and say, this is what I would want to accomplish, subconsciously, what you're thinking about is what would have to happen in my life in order to get there? okay, I visualize my my success going across the line, the finish line. So what abilities do I have right now? What would have to happen? What kind of achievements would have to happen in order for that to happen? And so if you can see the success out there, then you begin to dig back through and say, well, in order to do that, I probably need to do this, this, and this, okay? So visualize success. Number four is this, recognize your own self-defeating patterns. Recognize your own self-defeating patterns everybody's got them. Even Superman. What does Superman have? What's his biggest problem? Kryptonite. Yeah, we've all got them. you got to learn what... Lois Lane, yeah, yeah that'll, that'll mess you up. Uh, that, that's a different talk, all right? Um, learn what derails you. What situations cause you to question yourself? What scripts do you play in your head that work against you? Understand the things that derail you and go on and get, get ahead of that game. And why don't you re-record that script? Okay. There are things that will always come in and they're going to deflate you. You need to re-record that script. You keep hearing those voices in your head of what somebody told you 15, 20 years ago or whatever. You need to kind of re-record that script. All right. Number uh, five, <laughs> this is straight out of the book. Give yourself a swift kick in the posterior. Okay. <laughs> just give yourself a kick in the rear. Uh, sometimes you just got to tell yourself to get off your butt, jump in with both feet and let the chips fall where they may. Okay? And sometimes that's just what we need to do. Put your big boy pants on and get after it on there. Uh you sometimes you gotta just force yourself to take some personal risk. Wayne Gretzky, the great uh hockey player, says, I miss a hundred percent of the shots that I don't take. I miss a hundred percent of the shots I don't take. Listen, take a chance, take some risk, apply your skills and talents rather than focus on your fears. Sometimes that's what's gotta happen. You just gotta kind of Jump off the couch and get after it. The last one is this. Be slightly over-optimistic about your abilities. I like this. Be slightly over-optimistic about your abilities. Now, you're to have a realistic perspective on your strengths and your limitations. And once you've got an accurate read, you know that you're capable of at least one order of magnitude better than you currently believe you are. Understand it. If you feel like that this is where you are, this is what your abilities are. What he's saying here, be over-optimistic a little bit higher because what you will find is that when you put in the hard work, you will be able to go even beyond what you originally thought you could do in your abilities. Not telling you to be arrogant, not telling you to be cocky, not telling you to be unrealistic. Just kind of take it up a notch. And when you believe that you can do that, then all of a sudden you're willing to take the risk, put in the hard work, and see if it works. Bottom line is this. You believe you can do more than you have the ability to do, and you will. Okay? You believe you can do more, and you will. Know your boundaries of competence and masterfully exploit them. as we get ready to go, in the Bible, in Philippians 4.13, is my favorite verse growing up as a child. It says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things. That means I can face all situations through Christ who strengthens me. Through the power of Christ that's infused in my life, I can face all situations. Doesn't mean all situations work out good. On the surface, boy, some things can be pretty rough. But he does say in Scripture... I can do all things. I can face all situations through the power of Christ. So even as we talk about being high self-efficacy as a leader, As a believer, as a person who trusts in Christ as your Savior, we can face all situations. We can be willing to take the risk. We can be able to accomplish more than we ever thought we could accomplish because it says in all things, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Allow him to infuse you with strength and then move forward in your day. I thank you for being here. Thank you for braving the snow. And uh, we're going to be back in March and we'll be on the, uh, the first Tuesday back on our regular schedule. We hope to see you then. Thank you all very much.